Welcome to Many Windows, Conversations on Ministry. I'm your podcast host, Julie Taylor, coming to you from Meadville Lombard Theological School in Chicago. I have been looking forward to this conversation. Today's guest is Reverend Karen Hutt, ACPE Certified Educator and Vice President for Student and Community Engagement at United Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities. We are talking about the basics of CPE, which is clinical pastoral education, where to find a CPE program, a little bit about the application process, and then we just talk about things that are good to know about CPE. I am here uh, speaking today with Reverend Dr. Karen Hutt from United Seminary up in Twin Cities. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk, I'm going to let uh, Karen do uh, do their, their own uh, introduction, but today we are here speaking about CPE, which is clinical pastoral education, and the, kind of the basics as you're beginning your journey in figuring out how to do it, what you're going to do, what it is, all of those pieces. And Karen uh, is not only uh, uh, on faculty and uh, vice president. I'm vice president of student formation, vocation, a very similar capacity to you, um, and innovation and little community engagement as well at uh, United Theological Seminary of Twin Cities. And I'm not a doctor, I'm just a reverend. (laughs) I've been a UU minister about 25 years, and I've been a CPE educator for about... 12 years. And that's another piece of why it's really important. I wanted to have this conversation with you is that you are a certified CPE educator. And so it's not just coming from that, that institutional academic background, but you also bring this experience and understanding and knowledge from a CPE super or not supervisor certified educator now is the language, uh, an educator perspective to help students as they navigate the beginnings of it. So, uh, yeah, let's just start. What, as somebody's just beginning to uh, start their search or thinking about CPE, what, what are the ways to kick this off? Well, the first thing you need to do um, is think about this as additional education. Uh, this is separate from your classroom. It's separate from Meadville Lombard. It's separate from all the other work you're doing. This is a special adventure that you're going on into another institution where you're going to have different supervisors, different educators than you have on your faculty at seminary or divinity school. So that's really important to know that it's separate. By it being separate, it has its own standards and processes and procedures. The first thing you do is go to the acpe.edu website. And then you go to the section for students and uh, read everything there. Just read everything there. CPE was created basically to help uh, back in the day to help uh, men who were ministers get in touch with their feelings by giving them clinical experiences where they were able to actually care for people uh, in hospital settings. So it has a long and interesting history. The history of ACPE is also on the acpe.edu website. So it's good to look at that too, to think about the context in which this discipline and this requirement for ordination has been created. After you've completed your review of the site, get a sense of what students do, um, you want to know that there are basically three areas that CPE is going to explore. One is 
pastoral formation, the other is competency, and the third is reflection. Um, so it's a lot of internal work that you'll do in the first single unit of CPE, looking at how you respond in groups, how you work with others, um, and then also, most importantly, how you care for souls in a variety of settings. Most of those settings that you will be doing CPE CPE in our hospital settings. Uh, majority of all CPE programs are in hospital. I say 90, 90% of them. Very small percentages of them are in other kinds of settings. And I can talk about that later. I do programs in other settings now. But um, so that's pretty much the basics. And then you complete an application. Now the application has its own little challenges. The first challenge is don't write your whole life story <laughs> in the question. The first question is, please provide a reasonable account of your life. Well, if you're 40 years old, you've lived a certain amount of time. You don't want to start off from the time you were two to 40 in chronological era. You want to sort of hit the, the big moments, right. parts of your faith formation right. or uh, a challenge that you've had in your life and overcame or something you're working on in your own personal life. Um, and your understanding of what CPE is will be, be questioned and asked. Mm -hmm. um, but the other questions are pretty straightforward but just don't make your essay about you too long and don't share what you don't want to share right away it's not uh, I think some people make the mistake of just telling every mm. detail of their lives so then when they get to the interview which can be rather daunting sometimes depending um, people can actually go there so if you don't want to really explore things that you have not really resolved or you're working on and you don't want to expose to a stranger basically right um, then think twice about that right there may be if you wind up in a program there may be times that those kinds of things do sure. surface but at as an interview piece yeah as, as huh. the beginning of an interview i mean that becomes information then for folks uh as they're considering bringing you into their group wow what's the level of exposure to a total stranger in terms of emotions yeah. and experience right uh, I always think that I always try to tell people too that when you're interviewing, it's as much about because the fit goes both ways. Exactly. Is interview happening, both they are interviewing you, but also you need to interview them to see if you feel like there's a fit. Exactly. And that can be kind of daunting when you're nervous and wanting to get that placement because if you're Unitarian Universalist, you have to have it both for the MFC, but also just any, any student at Meadville, it's a requirement for graduation and the MDiv program. So it can be daunting. Uh, and yet now with the, with more, more programs that are available, uh, online programs, things like that, uh, hopefully they're, you're applying to more than one place. So that I always you have tell that everybody apply is all the places that you can, because, because of COVID, mm. um, a lot of programs were put on hold, but those students that they had accepted uh, while they were on hold still have a place in their uh, queue. Mm -hmm. So they may be filling their positions with people they had promised opportunities to who weren't able to find them during the uh, worst days of the pandemic. Yeah. I always tell students too, and this may be jumping a little ahead. If you get told, hey, listen, we don't have a spot, but you're on a waiting list. I tell everybody stay on those waiting lists because right up until the last minute, I've been I've been in programs when I did my residency where, you know, the first week into the program, somebody had to drop out and they pulled somebody off that waiting list. So I always right. say being on a waiting list, stay on those waiting lists and and wait until the bitter end. Uh, may as well keep your names on them until you get a place somewhere else, because uh, that happens Absolutely. regularly, regularly. Yeah. 
yeah, that's not that's not something that uh, to shake your finger at and think it won't happen because it often does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about you talked about uh, CPE? There's kind of different ways, especially now that CPE uh, clinical pastoral education. Uh, the the program happens. Uh, this is brand new for a lot of students. This is brand new information. So there's a, a 400 hours that it covers mm-hmm. for your for a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so can you talk a little bit about what happens in those 400 hours? Sure. Um, 300 hours are clinical hours, hours where you work with souls, where you are talking to people, where you're engaged with care. Um, those 300 hours in a hospital setting are generally combined with doing rounds, uh, working on a specific unit. Let's say you're on a general med surge uh, unit. You would do rounding. Um, you would do um, rounds with the interdisciplinary team. You would um, also tend to the care and of staff and um, others and families. So it's patients, staff, and families that you are engaged with on that unit. Um, there are meetings that take place on that unit that you may be a part of. There may be um, special events and activities that happen there. Uh, the blessings of the hands might be something that you do. I mean, there are all kinds of events and things that go on in a hospital. But the main thing is you're visiting patients um, one after another um, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that's your job. And a, 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 an intensive unit would do it all between June and August. That's a full-time CPE. You can't do anything else but CPE. June to August. Well, and I'm gonna, can I just jump in real quick? Uh-huh. I want people to listen to that. What what Karen just said, what Reverend Karen just said, you can't do anything else when you're doing an intensive unit. It's oh, really no. important. You can't. You can't do other classes. You can't take on other responsibilities. If you have home responsibilities, it's a good idea to figure out what other kind of care for child care and support and not making dinner. And I'm not saying this flippantly. It is intensive. And in some cases, you're going to be uh, on, sleep, call. on call, sleeping at the hospital sometimes. Once uh, a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So for those that are doing uh, CPE within a hospital setting and even not, but those intensive units, that is all you are doing for that time. So exactly. sorry, please go on. I no, just no, want to be so really that, clear done. about that. <laughs> intensive unit. That's it. Um, extended units are uh, very appealing to people who work mm-hmm. and people who have other responsibilities or people who want to take maybe one class. Um, I, I don't suggest taking more than one class when you're doing an extended CPE unit. An extended unit usually runs somewhere around the same amount of time as a semester mm-hmm. or maybe a little longer on one end or the other, depending on how you count the hours. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Um, and so I'm, for instance, I'm doing an extended unit right now that started in September that will end in the end of January. So it's a little over the semester line, but that's how we count the hours. Mm-hmm. Now for the other hundred hours, when you're not seeing patients, you're in something called group time. And group time is with somebody like myself, who's a CPE educator, who facilitates the time along with a maximum of seven students in the group. And during that time, we reflect on what has happened during the clinical time through a tool called a verbatim, which is basically a recounting of the encounter. And obviously it's not 
verbatim, but it's a, a good sense of what the conversation was like. And that conversation has lots of additional questions. So it's a pretty lengthy document that you create mm -hmm. on a regular basis and share with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. In addition to being in the group, where you may do a couple of verbatims per gathering, you'll get some kind of a lecture or a lesson from the CPE educator or a guest around a particular topic of concern. Like, how do you deal with future stories? How do you help people mm. do life reviews? Mm. Um, what does it mean? What, what does narrative mean? These are some of my topics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do you understand narrative when you're engaging with someone else? What are, uh, how do you use objects and music and art in spiritual care? Is mm -hmm. there again things that I'm interested in and teach um, and then listening and family systems theory lots of theories about assessment how do we understand what we're seeing and hearing how do we chart those things for others in an interdisciplinary team of medicine mm -hmm. to understand what is happening what do we say what don't we say so it's a combination of education and then reflection also, once a week for an hour or so, you're asked to meet with your CPE educator one-to-one. -one. And those one-to-one -one sessions um, are really important because it's a way for you to be able to share some of your deeper experiences and thoughts about um, unearthing the things that these experiences in with, with patients may have um, triggered in you. Or as I say, instead of saying trigger, which is such a violent term, I like to use the term time travel you mm. know i mean there's a lot mm. of time traveling that you're going to do with um, cpe you're going to go back in time to things that have happened to you things that you haven't quite resolved things that you're still exploring things that you hope to see in your future that these experiences are impacting. Mm -hmm. So during that time, uh, there is a lot of opportunity for one-to-one -one support, encouragement, and reflection, and tough questions to mm -hmm. help you go a little deeper. And so one of the things that I talk about with, with students is also, um, you know, the purpose around all this from a, from a formational standpoint uh, some folks may choose to go on to be a chaplain, some may not, but the purpose of your first unit is not training you to be the best chaplain. The purpose mm -hmm. of the first unit is about you finding out about yourself, and that's really mm -hmm. CPE in general, but why, what is this doing and how does this interact, how do you interact with it? What, what are those time travel pieces? When do you get surprised where uh, you, you didn't realize that you were time traveling the where, where you were at the time that you were going to get there and were surprised when you got there? So yeah. how does that all impact? And I think that's yeah. uh, with kind of the the environment, the clinical hours are the are the opportunities to to learn. Oh, that kicked that up there. I didn't realize that was going to happen. Or oh, when this happened, oh, this really brought me to this place, and this is how I responded. And that's an interesting thing. I need to consider that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, imagine being a. Uh... In the emergency room at 11 o'clock, you're on an overnight shift and someone comes to the trauma bay that, you know, reminds you of someone that you know uh, deeply and they're, mm -hmm. you know, shot up or from bullet holes or they have, uh, you know, been in a car accident or someone has the same name as your mother mm -hmm. or same hairstyle. It's little things that will, will make you think of someone else. We all know that that happens in our lives. And yeah. to be able to um, recognize it, um, put it where it belongs and pursue on and doing your job mm -hmm. right. um, is also going to be really important. But but all the while, keeping all that stuff at a, at a healthy tension is what yeah. I like to say. 
And the more healthy tension you have in your experience, the more likely you'll develop into a healthy minister because mm. that's going to happen the rest of your life in this career. Yeah, I like that. I like the way that healthy tension. Yeah. Uh, you know, per, if there, there's going to be conflict, can you make it productive conflict, healthy conflict, healthy right. tension? I like that. Right. Yeah. And well, another piece I think that's important about this too to lift up is that this can now just even the way we're describing this, it almost sounds like therapy and yet CPE is not therapy. No. And, and so can you talk about how that, how that is a little, how, how that, where those lines are? Well, let's just say to be perfectly honest, over the years, many CPE educators thought they were therapists, and some of them still do. Uh, many of them have had lots of psychological training, but some of them haven't, but think mm -hmm. that they are. So beware of supervisors who try to psychoanalyze you in yep. any kind of way, uh, because that's not a good fit for most people, and they're not qualified to do that. They don't have a license to do that kind of work. Um, but they are licensed to explore. We have to write personality theory papers to get our certifications and education theory papers. So we have constructs that inform why we do what we do, but we're not licensed in certain areas. One of the things uh, that CP had a bad reputation for was sort of tearing people down yeah. and, and, and then building them up again. And that just reeks of white supremacy culture. Yeah, and all that's real course. old school. That's yeah. real old school. Now, most yeah. of those people have been rooted out by now or have died or retired. Yeah. There may be remnants of their descendants around from time to time. So yeah. even younger ones may have that impulse. But um, so that's that's one thing. But the the main goal um, really in your question too about what it does is it gives you a certain awarenesses that you're able to draw on later on um, as you continue your formation process. This mm -hmm. doesn't end. Uh, this <laughs> is just part of it. Um, and so I suggest everybody is to, you know, make sure you're seeing a therapist while you're in CPE. Yeah. You know, it's a really good thing. So you can balance out what's education and what's your stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that that can be very useful or a spiritual director or a, you know, trusted mentor, mm -hmm. somebody in your sphere of influence mm -hmm. that can be of assistance to you during this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with you. It's such a, um, things are going to come up. Things are going to come up. And if they don't, that's also interesting in a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Sure. And that'll be for, that'll be formational a, or at least the understanding of a formation and what's happening formationally. That, that'll be indicative of, of something else that's going on. But yeah, that this is and CPE isn't to be used as therapy, but uh, things that would be resonant with a therapist, there's, there'll be a lot of, a lot of those kinds of resonances. So I, yeah, figuring out where those edges are is, and is important. And that's also what the educator is there for, because the educator will keep those boundaries up if the student maybe is having a harder time. And so yeah. that's the good news. Again, also why it's good to interview them to get that rapport so that you know that you can trust that educator to be able to find those lines with you as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, can you talk a little bit about, so we talked about what happens within those 400 hours. Let, so if you're, on, if, if you're at a physical location, be it a hospital, hospice, something like that, where it's there, what happens, because then that's all happening in a physical realm. What happens mm -hmm. for these programs that are online CPE? 
Well, same thing happens. You need 300 hours with people. Mm -hmm. um, there is no such thing as everything online CPE. That's mm -hmm. a misnomer. Um, and I think when you say online CPE, just in one sentence, they forget that you have to go somewhere in your area to do something with people. <laughs> so 100 hours are online because the group isn't in person. So the group time is online. That's it. The rest of the time you're in maybe, for instance, um, I had a I have a student now who's in, you know, a very rural area in Iowa where there are no CPE programs not for 400 miles. So there's no way that they can commute 400 yeah. miles a week to back and forth to a CPE to do work in a hospital for a few hours. So there's a local hospital, a small rural hospital that has no chaplain that has um, only a social worker part-time um, it's very small uh, maybe 30 beds but um, very busy right now because of COVID and other things particularly in rural areas where COVID rates are the highest yeah. um, so uh, she is now doing her CPE in that small rural hospital I met with the hospital administrator uh, all online and the student and we came up with an agreement and the social worker is going to provide guidance and support and uh, reflection on site mm -hmm. with what is happening. Um, it, it, but it's in her community. Mm -hmm. she, she is of these people mm -hmm. in rural Iowa. Um, so she's doing service in, in place um, right there where she is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, actually really a wonderful thing. Um, particularly in these isolated areas where people don't have access to this kind of care. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what you have to do if you're doing online CPE. You have to identify student and educator and others, whoever else, your school mentor or whatever, uh, and decide where would be a good place that would be acceptable, mm -hmm. uh, where you would have regular contact with people where you would have somebody on site who has some kind of clinical training, like a social worker mm -hmm. or a local chaplain. Mm -hmm. uh, they may have a chaplain, but they've never had a student chaplain, right. intern chaplain. So um, if there is a, a person that can provide that and we work out an agreement and that's how they do online CPE. Cool. Thank you. And, uh, and I want to lift up again, just a little more nuanced of what you mentioned earlier, uh, each of these programs are are separate. And so while yeah. you mentioned going on to the ACPE website to find the application for those programs where they are accredited through ACPE, the application is the same, but each program has its own yeah. ways that it works and it does things. So uh, for Unitarian Universalists, the UUA currently recognizes three accrediting bodies for CPE. Uh, ACPE uh, is one of them, which uh, is the Association of Clinical Pastoral Education. Yeah, that's me. Yep. And then there's uh, CP, uh, the Center for Spiritual Care and Pastoral Formation is another one. And I'll put all these in the, we'll, we'll find a way to, uh, I'll make sure that these links are there so that folks can find these. And the last one is the College of Pastoral Supervision and Psychotherapy, CPSP. So those are the three. If you're Unitarian Universalist, you have to take a CPE unit that is accredited by one of those bodies. If you don't, it will not be recognized when you put it in your MFC packet. And all of these groups and organizations have a different way of doing it. And even, you know, your ACPE, which is the largest one and the oldest one, uh, uh, 
that again, the application is the same, but every center is different. So you have to you apply through either the 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 center that's an online center or the the hospital, whatever it is. That's the process. You don't just send it to ACPE. Right. <laughs> you have right. to go through, through the, the site. local site. Okay. Yeah, and if yeah. you have issues, you know, questions and wondering about that, you know, I'm happy to, to help navigate that. I've done units. I've done five units myself total. I've done, um, I did a, a CPSP unit, a standalone unit, and then I did a residency that was an ACPE uh, residency uh, before becoming board certified myself. And so I've done a number of different ways to do that. The first unit was an extended unit. So I've had some experience with that. And then the the uh, the more intensive uh, residency piece, and it's really powerful. It's really powerful having, and I, I I can't say enough, the rapport and the connection between the the educator and you as a student. That's a really important thing. That that's going to be the key relationship. So again, that interview is really important. That you. Um, uh, are centered when you do it, that you, you know, uh, really show up for that. It's not a, it's not just a casual thing. You're, you're kind of finding out your connection both ways. Um, and I also should say too, as Unitary Universalists, many of the people that are the educators don't know who we are really. Mm, they mm-hmm. don't know very much about Unitary Universalists, the little right. Methodist educator over here, the Baptist educator over there, the, the United Church of Christ educator may know a little bit more, but mm-hmm. uh, really maybe not at all. Right. Or the Pentecostal educator or the mm-hmm. Catholic educator, you're going to meet all kinds of people. You won't meet very many UUs. That's right. There is a few of us out there and yep. there are some in the pipeline, but it's uh, we're a very small number compared to the largely Christian educators and Christian yeah. students that you'll find. I'm one of the few UU, I think I'm the only you, you person of color, CPE educator, period. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't, there, oh, there might be one more I heard, but I'm not sure. But I, it, if, if I'm, if there's more than one, yay. But right <laughs> now, I, you know, I haven't met anyone yet. So we'll see <laughs> where they show up. Yeah. But, uh, so that's actually kind of interesting. I know, uh, right now I have a unit that's like half you use, you know, because they're coming because they want to be in a, led by a UU and I'm yep. like cool you know yep, yep. I'd love to even have a all UU group sometime I think uh, it would be I mean as much as we have a great deal of diversity amongst us regionally mm-hmm. and so but most of all our diversity comes from our theologies and our philosophies and mm-hmm. our worldviews so yeah. uh, when people say the reason to do uh, a groups with other people with different faiths and traditions is great but we have lots of faiths and traditions within unitarian mm-hmm. universalism which i think would be fascinating someday to do a uu group uh to, absolutely to explore what what that diversity really looks like we also have regional differences in yeah. unitarian universalism i'm here in the midwest um, the heart of humanism and the western mm-hmm. conference particularly up here in the john dietrich land here mm-hmm. at uh, in minneapolis um so uh that's another thing down the pipeline maybe yeah well, and certainly, and also at Meadville, we tend to have uh, humanist students and, and, and students from other traditions that, that uh, are minoritized. And so off, may experience a similar piece where they're going to wind up with an educator who is 
unlikely or statistically less likely to have a, 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 an educator that is the same uh, faith tradition as them. And so similar things will apply there. Uh, also why you, you know, you'll have a cohort of the folks in your unit, but also again, why it's good to also have your, have your own support while you're doing your CPE, because there yes. are challenges with that too. There's stressors that come with, with, with all of those pieces that, um, uh, you know, that are, that are, that come with ex doing this kind of really deep exploration, whether it is in an extended unit or uh, in an intensive unit, having yeah. your own support is key. It is. It's very important. And um, like I have a unit right now. I have one woman from Somalia. I have uh, a UU minister that's been around a long time, just doing her fourth unit. Um, we have uh, people that are various kinds of Christians mm -hmm. um, and uh, people who are trans, people who are um, multiracial. I mean, it's really, it's a pretty cool group. So it's wow. a lot of diversity, even though the one thing that holds our, a lot of our group together, five of us, seven people are United students that are ah, in, okay. from sure. my seminary. That's the only thing. But within that seminary, we have a lot of diversity. Sure. So um, well, I want to give a little plug for something I'm doing to, Please. for you, you students. And that is, um, I am doing, I'm very concerned about those people who are going into chaplaincy, uh, that there are very few jobs. Mm -hmm. There are very few jobs, mm -hmm. particularly since once you get one of these jobs, it's pretty cush if you have good, you know, a good financially healthy institution, yeah. particularly if you're in a hospital setting. Yeah. So you can stay in these jobs a long time. I was at the University of Minnesota in four years, no one left Yep. and no one came. And most of the people that worked there had all done their residencies there. So wow. they were hiring from a pool of people that they knew mm -hmm. every time. I was the only outsider wow. that came from another place, coming from Chicago to wow. Minnesota. So it was kind of fascinating. And I've seen that at Rush Presbyterian there in Chicago. I saw an advocate when I was yeah. an advocate in Chicago. All the hospitals, they basically hire who they know. Mm -hmm. So we've got to expand the pool of what chaplaincy is. So mm -hmm. I've been creating, um, I have a new CPE model um, it's called public chaplaincy. And in this model, um, I'm creating groups that are going to commit to working in public settings. And I'll help you find the setting, but it has to be someplace that serves people that don't normally serve by CPE students. That's great. So we have a, um, uh, a student in a CPE program now, and they're in a nature center. Um, and they're on the trails with mm. tables and, and walking with people, taking walks. Um, it'll end soon here in Minnesota. So, but, you know, <laughs> we're hardy up here. We stay outside until <laughs> it's like 30 below. So uh, that's one place. The other place is a food show where our student is actually does a little interview with the person as they come into the food shelf to just check on them mm. see what some of the other needs might be and then they shop with them in mm. the food in the food pantry and help them pack up mm. their bags help mm -hmm. them get to the bus or mm -hmm. or you know it's just like a very yeah. intimate kind of thing yeah. another site we had was at a vaccination site nice a lot, a lot of anxiety there oh yeah um another site we have is at a court um courts on zoom right now yep. still here in minnesota and in that setting um, we have a cpe student who's meeting with um, people in drug court before they see the judge Interesting. And, and also we have people uh, 
in veterans court um, because that's a special court that yep. they have here. Yep. So um, there are some other options. Uh, we're also at a, a food court in a public mall. Um, and as a science says, chaplain need to talk. Well, I'm working on um, getting us into the on the light rail, the trains. Hmm. So you can just like imagine a bus in Chicago. You get on a bus in Chicago, and someone as there's a thing that two seats away probably for yeah. <laughs> but said you know um, I'm here. Need to talk. Hmm. You know, so uh, we're working on getting you on into casino, domestic violence shelter, mm -hmm. all these other places that yeah. don't have chaplains. Yeah. Uh, and these are all places that have municipal dollars attached. To them. All right. That makes sense. So it's so anyway, if people are interested in that, I'm going to be doing that for the next chunk of time. That's uh, exciting. I do two extended units a year and you could pick a place there. No matter where you are in the country, you could pick a spot that you'd like to serve as a public chaplain in your community. That's great. And um, and do some good work for people who need to be heard and loved and listened to while you're getting credit and learning and growing. As That's master. great. So I'll make sure that I know that we put that out through the bulletin that came out this morning. And oh, uh, yep. And and so I'll get that and I'll make sure that it's part of the part of this uh, link here. Uh, oh, great. Uh, yeah. To be able to find this way. So I'll get that that uh, from you here and we'll, sure. we'll add that to this particular piece. Uh, it's exciting stuff as a community minister for my entire career. Uh, I find that and I, I actually did my first unit. My CPSP unit was at uh, working at the Red Cross, uh, working alongside the, the uh, intake uh, at the busiest Red Cross in the country. And so worked with yeah, them where was for, that? in New York city, greater New, oh, York. New York city. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh yeah. 7,000 calls a year. So um Wow. Yeah. So doing again in a place where there's not typically a, a place and this is going back a bunch of years, but uh, it, it, there's there's it, it's really powerful to be able to not only provide uh, care, but again, f the opportunity, the care is one thing, but you're under the supervision and under the care of you're kind of borrowing the credentials of your educator. So mm -hmm. you're not just out there on your own, putting no. up a sign saying you need to talk, come and talk to me. This is, this is under the supervision and you are in the care. You are, again, I think of it as kind of borrowing or, um, uh, you know, the kind of borrowing the credentials of the person who is supervising you, who's the educator that you're working with so that uh, you, you kind of know where your left and right is, uh, how, how things are, uh, how things are progressing, if, um, bringing all those experiences in and then learning about yourself through them. It's a, that's a really exciting, pro really exciting prospect. I can't mm -hmm. wait to hear more about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I, one of the things I'm doing is a lot of research that's going to go along with this. So the students in this program, the public chaplaincy program, have to do a little, they have to keep a journal um, that we can use. And um, I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews of the sites to see how it went yeah. and the impact so that we could really, what I want to do is create legislation here in Minnesota so that we could actually put public chaplaincy in a state budget so that we could have them part of health and human services and yeah. have them all over. Why, you know, you, 
the DMV is a real good place to talk to a chaplain. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, again, and you're right. And I know we're, we're going to wrap up here, but you just you said something really important because the number of jobs, people don't realize how few jobs there are to get paid as a chaplain out in the world. There is a lot of opportunity to volunteer and a lot of need is there. But where the dollars come from for you to be able to make sure your mortgage is paid, your rent is paid, your your how is your insurance getting paid? There are fewer and fewer paid chaplain positions that exist. And so, yeah, this is as part of a, of a bigger piece. That's exciting that you're doing that work. I'm Thank trying you. to uh, create a, a, a buzz about it too, so that we can start to, uh, as a profession, yeah. uh, branch out from where we are so that we can beyond the past, the top three prison, military and yeah. healthcare. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for this time. Thank you. Uh, we'll make it's sure nice that you, ha- with you. you too. We'll make sure we'll get all the links uh, uh, available to students. And okay. uh, thank you for these opportunities. Have a great week. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. And all we right. will catch you on the CPE world. Thank you for listening. Many Windows Conversations on Ministry is a production of Meadville Lombard Theological School. Theme music is Destination by Just Thea. This episode is produced by Julie Taylor, and as always, a special thank you to Tomo Hilbo.